Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal. It's Wednesday, August 10th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. With the Chiefs preparing for their preseason opener, they released their first depth chart earlier this week, and there are some interesting notes from it. For instance, at training camp, several members of this year's draft class have been running with the first team, but the depth chart shows only one, cornerback Trent McDuffie, lining up as a starter. We'll see how it plays out on Saturday in Chicago. Beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, along with columnist Sam McDowell, explore the depth chart and several other topics on today's show, which started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Missouri Western State University in St. Joe, Missouri. We are on Sports Beat Live, presented by the Kansas City Star and First Federal Bank. This is a show where we talk about the Chiefs at training camp with the folks in the media who know them best. And today that is Sam McDowell, Herbie Teope, and Jesse Newell. And that is not um, an artificial background for Jesse. That is the great outdoors where he's been throughout training camp and he's being rewarded. So Jesse, uh, hope you soak in the sunshine today. Feels great out here, Blair. Uh, any day in camp when it's under 80, it's it's amazing. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's feeling good. And it's one of those postcard days out here in St. Joe. God, the clouds look like they're painted on the canvas back there. It's, it's amazing. It looks like a Zoom setting, doesn't it? Or a, like a <laughs> Google setting behind me. It, it really is not. I can't go run and touch the clouds. I can maybe at the end go run and touch that tree just so you guys can know. But uh, yeah, you see a little bit of sunshine here. It's, it's out. It's out and about. It's great. Beautiful. All right. Send us your questions and comments and let's and talk Chiefs with us. I've uh, got a few topics to cover today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the depth chart, which uh, first chief depth chart chart was released earlier this week. That is um, that, that came out of their game notes because the preseason starts Saturday against the Chicago Bears. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, we're going to talk about what assistant coaches said today because that's who met the media, not players, but assistant coaches. After a break, we'll talk to hear from assistant general manager Mike Borgonzi. But first, I wanted to cover a uh, topic that, uh, Herbie, you can you can uh, lead us here. We had a player return to practice today, and not insignificant that Rashad Fenton uh, marched down the hill onto the practice field and worked out with the Chiefs. Bring us up to date on Rashad Fenton's status. Well, Rashad Fenton is clearly off the physically unable to perform list uh, with a shoulder injury. And this is something that happened during the offseason. General Manager Brett Veach told us back in May he underwent a procedure. Uh, so we don't know exactly what that entailed, but it did cause him to miss all of OTA's mandatory minicamp and 11 days of training camp. But he is back out there, and all of a sudden, the Chiefs cornerback position becomes very interesting. While he was absent, the Chiefs got a good look at Jalen Watson as well as rookie uh, Josh Williams. Both of them are rookies, uh, two draft picks. But now that Fenton is back here, without the injury, the start, the top three probably projected as Legereus Sneed, Fenton, and Trent McDuffie. He's in there now. The, the Chiefs did not put him out there at full practice. And defensive backs coach Dave Merritt said the plan right now is – one on, excuse me, individual position drills, and then ease him back in. But once he's back to full health, you can expect that cornerback position to get very interesting in a hurry 
They've got three uh, preseason games and five more days of training camp for him to get back into the mix. Dave Barrett had some interesting things to say about the position uh, group, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But re- refresh my memory here, Herbie. How, how many corners does it do the Chiefs usually keep on the 53? Last year it started off with five. <laughs> so, but when you look at this group right now, could they realistically keep six? Maybe. Uh, and, and this is where Fenton comes in because, you know, with Fenton, if they are the top three, you're going to have Lonnie Johnson, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams competing for, if they go with five, competing for two spots. If they keep six, that may be your six right there. And, of course, don't forget that they released DeAndre Baker, and he was supposed to be in this mix as well. But letting go of Baker, you know, and we talked about this last week in the sh- on the show, that says a lot about what the Chiefs feel about their young corners that, you know, you let a guy like Baker go, a former first-round pick. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens here in the next month. Okay, so uh, I mentioned the depth chart uh, came out uh, with the game notes uh, on on Monday, and Jesse has convinced me that it's not significant. It's not terribly important, the depth chart, but it is, you know, it's a little bit of a, uh, a peek into what the Chiefs may be thinking. And, you know, I don't know what it's based on because we see different starters uh, depending on the day here at training camps, different players go out with the ones and the twos and they could switch around the next day. But I'll ask, um, I'll ask you, Jesse, what was the most interesting thing you saw on the chief's first depth chart? Well, like I said, I think most of it was sort of what I expected and and a lot of it we've seen out here. And sometimes it's tough to lie when the practices are open, you know, the guys that are with the first team are with the first team and the guys that are with the second and third are with the second and third. Uh, Some interesting things at receiver and running back, which is some of the biggest position battles, I think, still remaining out there. Uh, You know, they had McKinnon ahead of Ronald Jones, which is something to watch. It's something we've talked about here, which is what is Ronald Jones's role with this team? Will he be able to make the team? Will he be a trade candidate? And or will he be Jesse's guy, Rojo, that can get downhill and gain uh, yardage with well-blocked plays like he's been able to do with Tampa Bay over the course of his career? So that's one thing. Corey Coleman was pretty high on the depth chart compared to maybe what I would have expected from seeing him out here. Uh, I would consider a guy like Doris Fountain with his special team skills ahead of a guy like Corey Coleman right now. But again, sometimes there are political things that happen with these depth charts. It's going to be important for those guys to produce in preseason because these uh, games, as much as you know, the first team does not get in there, there's going to be interesting stuff that happens with the second team. And some of these guys need to show on film against other opponents that they can produce when the lights are on. And so uh, some of those guys I just mentioned will be a higher portion of that group. If they want to make the team, they need to show something here uh, starting Saturday against Chicago. What do you think, Sam? I, I, you know, Jarek McKinnon running with the, uh, at least on the depth chart, ahead of uh, Ronald Jones and uh, Derek Gore Pacheco, the rookie, was was listed fifth on, on the depth chart. And, um, among the wide receivers, you had uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the starters ahead of Sky Moore and, um, and McCole Hardman. And as Jesse said, Corey Coleman even ahead of guys like uh, Doris Fountain and, um, and and Justin Watson. So, is this a grain of salt thing? You, you have to you you know you covered this team for several years now, and uh, we we all get excited when we see the first first depth chart because it's the first one we've seen since the last game that they've played. But um, how much stock should we put into it? 
Well, I mean, I, I think that the four of us could have come up with a depth chart that would be probably even more accurate of, as far as what the initial 53 man's going to look like. I mean, we've seen practice. They can tell us what they think of guys, but who guys are playing with is what shows it. Um, I think what's going to be most interesting, because they do certainly have some tough decisions to make um, on specific positions. I mean, running nothing more obvious than running backs. I, I do see a value with keeping Jarek McKinnon over Ronald Jones. Um, I, I thought Jarek McKinnon was the Chiefs' best running back last year, particularly for the last six games, including the postseason. But where I think the Chiefs' most difficult decisions are going to reside is going to be how many of certain positions to keep. You know, do you keep an extra running back at the expense of keeping a fourth tight end? Because we all, well, we all like Jody Fortson. One of us really, really likes Jody Fortson. I don't think you can get rid of him. I do think he's too talented to get, to get rid of, in which case you're going to have to lose a, you're going to have to lose a guy somewhere at a different position. So I think what's going to be most interesting for them is this puzzle of how many at every position, as opposed to how do these guys slot in within the position? Yeah, Can I, I mean, mention something on the depth yeah, chart? Please do. I, I think, like, yes, we do get excited when we see the first depth chart. You're right. It's the first one we've seen since the end of the regular season and even the playoffs. But, you know, in all my years of doing this, the one that really matters is the third one. And, and you know, it might change this year because, you know, you will probably see the starters play more like last year in the second preseason game when, when the NFL went to three. First one is kind of like a procedural type deal. The second or the third one is the one where you really start paying attention because now the team is starting to pay attention to how they want to slot these guys. Okay. Well, just a, co a couple other quick observations. You know, on the depth chart, they, uh, they go with a, a, a base 4-3 defense, and the third linebacker is Elijah Lee and not uh, Leo Chanel. And, uh, and uh, at defensive end, uh, Mike Dana over George Karloftis. So Karloftis running with the twos. Um, I suspect we're going to see uh, plenty of action from rookies. In fact, only two rookies were listed among the starters on the depth chart. One is Trent McDuffie, the other is at at, uh, at corner, and the other is Isaiah Pacheco as a kick return specialist. So um, everybody else, I think there were six other draft selections that were running with the twos. Um, so that's that, you know, that might be your best stat, Blair, because that that should probably be a good indication of the value of the depth chart because they're going to get a, a lot out of this rookie class. I think that that much is clear from what we've seen in training camp is this is going to be a productive class, at least in terms of playing time. And I, I think an actual quality as well. And I mean, you just said it, it's, it's got two guys lined up as, as starters right now. And one of them is a kick returner. You look at the depth chart on paper and you say, all right, you know, what did they actually get out of the rookie class? But it's, it's going to be a pretty productive group, I think. Absolutely. I mean, the, the numbers alone assure that it's going to be productive, but I think it's, it's going to be quality production uh, as well, based on what we've seen up here. And, you know, you, you all make good points about uh, it, it's one thing to, uh, there, there may be things going on in, in creating the depth chart that, um, that, that, you know, that we don't know about. Uh, but all we do is see what's happening on the field. And we know who's, we know who's running with the ones. And um, I, I'm not even sure that the the, 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 those that start the game on Saturday in Chicago will be the ones that are listed 
first on the depth chart. So that's a good that's a good point, Blair. I think a lot of people like to read into the first game, but that that's a good point you made. Let's go to a couple questions here before we go to a break. Um, what Rob asks, what we should what should we expect from the first preseason game? Um, did you did you guys see where um, the Bears are a three and a half point favorite in this one? Uh, which I don't know why, except maybe the words out they're going to play starters longer than the Chiefs. It's, it's the only thing I can think of. Or maybe the Vegas odds makers believe the the Bears backups are better than the Chiefs backups. That's the only reason I can think of right now. <laughs> Um, I, we'll go to we'll, we'll get into this in greater detail on Thursday, Thursday, uh, which will be our final live show before the game on Saturday. But just a quick, maybe a quick thought, uh, Jesse, on what, what we should look for on on Saturday. I mean, we've covered a lot of position battle or position battle type angles here. But um, how, how about you? What are you going to be most interested in? Well, yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to be much of the first team uh, because we know from games past, years past, that the first team offense is probably going to get one series, if that, uh, you know, uh, in there. So uh, not a lot to read into with that. I, I think the biggest thing, and this is what I wrote about today, with these rookies, and you guys are right, this is going to be uh, – this rookie class really could set up something huge for the Chiefs. We know how much that Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Nick Bolton helped out the Chiefs last year, potentially sets them up for the future with Patrick Mahomes. But then them trading Tyreek Hill and now having these 10 rookies, and most of them at least – meeting expectations, and I would say a majority of them exceeding them so far. If you put those two back-to-back -back and all of a sudden have a defensive um, you know, roster where six, seven, eight of the guys are 24 or under and they're under contract for a long time with Patrick Mahomes, all of a sudden you could really set yourself up for the future. Uh, and so, you know, Dave Merritt, I talked about this today, the cornerbacks uh, coach, the defensive backs coach for the Chiefs, and he said he's got five – uh, rookies in the secondary, call them the Fab Five today. So again, not really uh, holding back expectations for those guys and giving them a, a cool moniker that hopefully uh, you know we can use throughout the season because it, it, it rolls off the tongue and reminds us all of Michigan from 1991. But he said those guys are nervous. You know, he he's not sure how they're going to perform in a game, and they've done well in practice. And guys like Josh Williams have gotten first team reps with uh, Rashad Fenton out of there. But how are they going to do when the lights are on, when the TV cameras are rolling, when it's a real game and you're hitting somebody else? And so. I think that's the biggest thing for me to watch is is some of these guys, uh, not only the veterans that are trying to make the team, like the Josh Gordons of the world, need to come out and produce and, and show that they can do something. What are the rookies going to look? Because right now the Chiefs are very high on their rookies. That all can fall apart if you come out here on, on the Saturdays when uh, it really matters in game time and don't perform as well or maybe aren't ready for that particular moment. So if these Chiefs rookies perform well in that first game, I think that's probably the biggest story we'll be taking away from it and that this rookie class might have definitively or started to definitively show that they are up to expectations and are up to what these Chiefs coaches and personnel think right now that they are potentially leading to what could be a very bright future for the Chiefs and their defense. Blair, it's a little bit reminiscent of, um, you know, last year we all thought Devin Key was going to be a big-time player because he was playing with the ones so much, and he got toasted by Trey Lance. and his stock just fell even out here the next week. And so that's why, you know, I mean, you don't want to put a ton of stock into one game, but for these rookies, like this preseason game does matter a lot. It just sort of bolsters what, what Jesse was just saying, because I mean, let's face it, Justin Fields is not going to be the best quarterback the chiefs are going to see this year. Um, the bears are not going to be the best offense the chiefs see this year. So if you're a rookie that wants to make an impact early on, like you've got to have a pretty good day on Saturday. 
And Herbie, don't you don't you think Andy Reid will, if, if if not the first question, he'll he'll be asked on Thursday about playing time distribution, right? Doesn't that that's that he'll he'll probably that'd be part of his opening statement. If if if, if he wants to go ahead and cut it off at the pass, then yeah, because that's always at this time of the year leading into the first one, you know, it, it, how much repetitions, how many, how much playing time will your starters get? And if he sticks to his mo, yeah, they'll get a series. Uh, if you remember last year uh, against the 49ers, Patrick Mahomes and the starters got one series, and then it was the Shane Bouchelle show. And then he didn't unleash everyone until Vahe and Sam, you know, went out to Arizona. And, he, you know, they got to watch all the starters go into the third quarter and <laughs> got Mahomes and, and Juan Thornhill. And I can't remember who else in the locker room. But, yeah, y'all had a uh, – y'all feasted. <laughs> it's McCall. It was McCall Hardman. All but starters. You guys- <laughs> but but they didn't make Shane Bouchelle available to us like they did you, so it was an even trade-off. <laughs> okay, an even trade-off. Yeah, but it, you know, that, that'll be the question because, I mean, that's a standard. It's, it's how much will your starters get? And last year they kind of tinkered with the idea, we lost a preseason game. Do we need to adjust uh, to get our starters more playing time? And then they made the decision, no, we don't. Well, just for, you know, Saturday, specific to Saturday, I think the Bears, because they have a new head coach, new staff, um, trying to get their quarterback on, you know, on, on stable ground, I can see their starters playing more than the Chiefs starters playing on, on Saturday. And, um, and, and take into account, too, this is only the second year of the three-game preseason. I think coaches are still getting used to, you know, how, how to distribute the playing time in this new three-preseason game world. Maybe that's it, Blair. Maybe that's the uh, Vegas line, what you just said. The, the Chicago starters are three and a half points better than the Chiefs' backups. Hey, isn't their home field advantage still, guys? I mean, the officials are still doing this in Soldier Field. Like The fans are still going to boo bad calls, and subconsciously, as we know from the scorecasting book, that's that's what makes up home field advantage a lot of times is, is officials not really knowing it, but kind of catering to the home team. So this is still being played in Chicago. Maybe that's two or three of the points, and uh, that would basically make up what, what the line is for this game. Not that the Bears are any great shakes. Um, certainly haven't been in, in recent years, as members of our staff can attest. Um, but uh, I, I think for, for the rookies, uh, the, the, the 10 draft picks and the other first-year players, rookies, uh, to open, to have their first NFL experience in Chicago, in Chicago at Soldier Field is kind of a neat, be a neat experience for them. So, okay, hey, let's take a break here. And when we come back, I want to discuss some of what we heard from assistant coaches and an assistant general manager today. Let's hear this from First Federal Bank. When I bought my first home, I was searching for listings and negotiating all on my own. Now I'm back in the housing market and I could not imagine doing that again. But then I found First Federal Bank of Kansas City's expert loan advisors at ffbkc.com. They were kind, knowledgeable, and available 24-7. My loan advisor answered my questions and helped me feel confident all the way through closing. I trust First Federal Bank because they understand banking is personal. Apply today for a home loan at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Back on Sportsbeat Live from Chiefs Training Camp with Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Herbie Teope. Um, Brian asked a good question. Uh, do you think Joe Cullen will get more out of our defensive line this year? I think so, but I'm not uh, um, not 100% yet. But look at what's happened just in the last few, you know, uh, just a little while, just since last end of last season, the drafting of George Karloftis, the uh, you know, bringing in uh, Carlos Dunlap. Frank Clark just looks like a different person. We're not fooling around with Chris Jones on the inside. Uh, I, I think there's the potential for improvement. There better be improvement. That was um, – Sam's talked about it plenty. That was the, the sort of the hidden big problem for the Chiefs in the AFC title game last year. And Jack asked, I thought the good question here, are there any 2022 draftees on the bubble? What do you think, Herbie? That's a good question. That is a good question because normally you would automatically go to your seventh round, your seventh round draft picks because typically when Chiefs, not the Chiefs, but when NFL teams use the seventh round, you're looking at developmental guys, uh, people who can feel depth. But when you look at this roster right now, uh, Pacheco, you know, I, Jesse and I, and we've all talked about this in depth over the last couple of weeks. We think he's the guy. Uh, Jalen Watson, you know, he's absolutely going to make this team. Now you got to go to the guy from Marshall, uh, Nazi Johnson. You know, will he have a spot on this team? I don't know. Uh, so, you know, if you want to say on the bubble, that could be it right there. But other than that, it's still it's just a solid draft class all the way around. How about um, uh, what about Damian? Uh, uh, Damian Kennard. You, th- you think he's safely on there? Let's go to Jesse on this one. Yeah, Darian Kennard. Darian, uh, I'm sorry. Darian. Yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, so I think if we were going to list all the rookies, and first off, I mean, out of a 10-person class, I would say normal draft class, if four to five hit, that would be a, a great draft class. You know, I mean, I just talked last year, like the Chiefs had three hit and hit home runs with them, and you're feeling great about what they did in 2021. We're talking about 10 draftees. A lot of times, it's just not going to hit. You know what I mean? Like, like you have a bunch of seventh-round picks, you cut those guys sometimes. It just doesn't work out. And even Ravich spoke about that after the draft, saying, hey, they weren't going to be able to get undrafted free agent cornerbacks or guys in the secondary because the roster was so loaded. So you might as well draft them so that you have rights to them in camp and can see how they do. Uh, but as far as Kennard goes, I think out of the entire 10, I would say that he is the one that probably had maybe the highest expectations from fans coming in just because you saw what happened with Creed Humphrey. You saw what happened with Trey Smith last year. Those guys were boom, plug and play right in the lineup uh, and, and probably spoiled Chief fans because that sort of thing is just not that common. I would say he's the one that has not lived up to that yet so far, and we've seen him mostly with the second and third team. Now, it seems to me like he'll probably still make the roster somewhere on the offensive line. He can be a developmental thing. We'll see how that turns out and how the Chiefs want to play 
like their swing tackle, I'm sure they're going to keep, uh, they should keep Allegretti and, and, you know, people in the interior to, to cover for injuries. But I would say Kennard right now is probably the one that you've probably heard less about. If you pay attention to Chiefs camp, you've heard less about him, less buzz with him than uh, most of the other rookies. But like I said, um, if he's a developmental guy taking that that late and still able to develop into something for the Chiefs, then you're really not even wasting the draft pick. And even as late as he was picked, if, if he's a guy that doesn't pan out, then uh, nine of the other ten might make your roster. That's still that's still a really high rate to, of return for one particular draft class. And Brian reminds us that Kennard uh, was the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Year in uh, the last year. I think it's the Jacobs Blocking Trophy that uh, that they get for for that. Okay, so again, uh, assistant coaches spoke today, and so did um, assistant general manager Mike Borgonzi. I'm not sure I've ever heard Borgonzi speak to the media in the tent. I, there may be a new, some sort of new rule from uh, pro football writers this year that the assistant general manager must be made available. So let's uh, before we get into the assistant coaches, let's hear from Mike Borgonzi. This is his opening statement today, but runs about two and a half minutes. Good to see everybody. It's great to be back up at training camp here. Uh, you know, the energy's been high. I think the competition's been great so far. Um, this is my 14th training camp that I've had the privilege to be a part of with the Chiefs. I was part of the original team that came up here in 2010, so it's always great to come up here to Missouri Western. Entire city of St. Joe's, they just do an outstanding job every year hosting us. Um, so where our roster is right now, we've added 50 new players to the roster since the end of last season, active guys whether that be through reserve future signings, unrestricted free agents, draft, trades, waiver claims. Uh, so every, every year, every team is different. So I think Coach stresses, you know, coming up here and building that team camaraderie, uh, especially for the new guys to get acclimated to the way we practice, to the way we, uh, you know, our culture. Um, and that's also an important time for our personnel department. So we're out here every day watching practice. Uh, after practice, we're, you know, in there, watching tape multiple times to really hone in on different position groups and players. At night, we're meeting with the coaches uh, to get their input and their rankings on the, on the players. You know, how are they doing in the meeting rooms? How are they picking up the playbook? Are the new guys getting acclimated to our culture? Um, and so then once this weekend starts, really, we begin the process of evaluating the other 31 rosters in the league. So that's an important time for us. So it's not just the, you know, 14 wide receivers that we have in camp here. It's the 400 league-wide that we're going to get our eyes on. Um, so it's a lot of work. Our pro department does a great job, headed up by Tim Terry, um, and bringing up those players to, you know, Veach, myself, Mike Bradway, you know, to find value. We're never going to stop trying to add to this roster. Um, you know, when you get up to the training camp, the draft is over. There's a few different ways. It's through street free agency. Asara signed Carlos Dunlap uh, last week, um, and then through the waiver claim process that happens here after the cutdown day. Is a big time for us. And then you've also seen us make some small trades at, during the preseason, whether it's player for player or conditional picks. I think back in 2018, that's how we were able to acquire Traverius Ward in a trade with Dallas for a player for player. So we're always looking for different ways to add players, to add competition to the group throughout training camp. Um, you know, it's just all part of the process here as we try to get down to the best 53 players, best 16-man practice squad as we head into week one. Um, excited about this weekend, another great opportunity for these guys to come out and showcase what they can do and compete, and then, uh, you know, great opportunity for us to kind of evaluate them in game-like conditions now. So, yeah, so with that, I'll open it up. So that was Chiefs Assistant General Manager Mike Borgonzi, and just kind of mostly boilerplate stuff, but I, I guess the, the one thing that I 
raised my eyebrows at it basically because I just didn't realize he had the Chiefs have added 50 new players since the since the end of last season. That strikes me as a high number for a 90 you know man roster, and I just wonder how that would stack up with previous years. Um, I just uh, any other impressions from Borgonzi? I mean, I, I think I was exhausted thinking about the schedule that these guys are going to have over the next couple of weeks. I mean, they've got to determine just what fits on their own 53-man. But once these preseason games starts, they're scouting 31 other teams. And by the way, they're not scouting 31 other teams the way they do during the season. Those 31 other teams have 85 to 90 players. So um, it's I do think, though, that one of the things that has made the Chiefs because they've got the quarterback, right? We all know the reason why the Chiefs are good, but you got to find little edges elsewhere. And the Chiefs have been really good about finding those edges with the other aspects that he mentioned, you know, signing guys off the street during the season, making those trades for trades with other players that, you know, other teams don't necessarily want. Um, so I think that that work that I'm talking about has really paid off for this group. Uh, so when we heard from the assistant coaches earlier, Mike was the last person who, who went to the podium. Um, I think everybody had a bit of cautiousness to, when they were asked about specific players, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to go overboard with the praise. Um, so uh, just for example, I think, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Daly, the linebackers coach, when asked about Elijah Lee, said he's, he's doing a nice job. Just doing a nice job. He's been having a really nice camp, by the way. I, I think there's no doubt that Elijah Lee is going to be on uh, on, on this team. But the, you know, Dave Merritt, um, with coaches of defensive backs, could not have been uh, more uh, effusive in his praise of his guys, especially the the, the rookie players. So. Uh, I should have, uh, we should have gotten his tape. That's my fault. But, uh, but Merritt was, um, he, he seemed to be pretty happy with his guys. Uh, I forgot who, Herbie, you, did you do the quarterback story today and Dave Merritt? No, I did Rashad Fenton. That's right. That that's was, right. That was Jesse. That's right, Jesse. How soon I forget. That's, uh, that was uh, him saying it was like Christmas to have those right, Christmas. defensive backs. Uh, he had Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, Joshua Williams. Jalen Watson and Nazi Johnson. And so, yeah, it was, it was very quotable. He, he said he calls them the Fab Five, which, again, is a great reference for us old people. And he said most of them weren't born then. And I thought, oh, that's a good joke. It kind of references us. And I thought, 91? Like, no, none of those rookies were close to being born in 91. They were closer to 2000, these, you know, millennial kids. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they probably wouldn't have gotten the reference the same way that, that we did. But, no, I thought he was great talking about that. And that just speaks to what I'm talking about with the rookies. I mean, the Chiefs right now, again, before a preseason game, before they see these guys under the lights, they like what they have with their rookies. Uh, that includes Dave Merritt. That includes Brett Veach and uh, obviously Mike Borgonzi as well. And a couple of things about Borgonzi, if you had to guess his home state and got one guess based off of that interview, could you get it right? I bet you could, Blair. What do you think? Um, I would go New Jersey. Oh, close. You're not right. But uh, it was a little Boston. So Massachusetts would be the right answer. He was a, a fullback in the Ivy League. I grown up there. Something else, his brother is the linebackers coach for the Chicago Bears. So another little tie that will come into play this weekend uh, as well. But I thought Mike was great, uh, you know, had some interesting responses to questions and sort of interesting last year at this time. I think the Chiefs, uh, Herbie, you would know this and Sam, they brought out Ryan Poles to talk and kind of have the same sort of setting. And a year later, 
Uh, he's a GM in the NFL, so it seems like Borgonzi is going to have those same sorts of opportunities moving forward, especially if the Chiefs had the same level of success this year, and if the draft class, as we've talked about throughout this entire episode, turns out the way they think it's going to in the 2022 season. Yeah, Mike was the, actually the co-assistant GM with uh, Brett Veach before Brett Veach was promoted to GM um, after John Dorsey was let go. Um, he has been in, like he mentioned, part of this chief system for 14 years now. So he's under three general managers. And um, to be frank, it's a little bit surprising that he didn't have the same opportunities to make his presentation that Ryan Poles had a year ago. Hey, it's good stuff. And I enjoyed listening to him. And and uh, and, and I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, assistant GMs, uh, you know, they need this experience. They, they need to be in front of cameras and microphones and and uh mike borgonzi was able to do that okay um let's uh we'll wrap it up and uh and say thank you to uh for those of you who tuned in really appreciate it big thanks to herbie T.O.P., jesse newell and sam mcdowell and to monty davis our producer and as i mentioned earlier uh chiefs do not practice on wednesday they do on thursday so we'll be back with you on thursday and then they travel Friday for their preseason game on Saturday. So tune in on Thursday, and we'll have a basically a pregame show breaking down the Chiefs and the Bears. Guys, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again in a couple days. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. A salute to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. 28 pages in today's morning sports edition. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.